This is Digital Story Podcast number 929, January 9th, 2024. Today's theme is The Elephant in the Room, Nikon ZF versus Olympus OM-1. I'm Derek Story. Typically, Micro Four Thirds photographers aren't concerned by new full-frame camera announcements. They know what they have, and they like it. But the Nikon ZF seems to have upset the apple cart just a bit. I've been getting mail citing reviews, defections, and the relevance of Micro Four Thirds photography in light of all of this. So let's talk about it. Let's go head-to-head with the Olympus OM-1 and the Nikon ZF today's top story on the TDS Photography Podcast. I hope you enjoy the show. Well, now that we have the holidays behind us, we can get down to some serious business. And serious business indeed. We are talking about two very serious, very fun cameras that somehow have found each other in the same orbit, which seems so funny because on one hand, the Olympus OM-1, in my opinion, is the epitome of Micro Four Thirds photography right now. And then the Nikon ZF is this project that Nikon has been working on for a while. This is the third installment of their throwback digital cameras that are based on beautiful Nikon aesthetic but then have modern technology guts. But the ZF is the one where all the pieces came together. And so then suddenly a lot of folks who aren't normally looking at full-frame photography, Olympus shooters, you know, OM system shooters, Fujifilm shooters, and others are going, hmm, should I be thinking about this camera? Now, on top of that, there have been some articles Uh, published out there. Some of them (laughs) have been sent to me for my comment on them about photographers, some of them formerly aligned with Olympus, who are now defecting, as they say, to Nikon's Z system and the ZF. And suddenly the the lid on the pot starting to, to bounce a little bit here. And I thought, okay, all right, I have both cameras. I have shot extensively with the OM-1, and now I have quite a few frames under my belt with the ZF. So let's talk about these two cameras. Let's get to the bottom of all of this, and uh, we're going to do that right now. First, a little bit of background information so we kind of know what we're talking about here. We'll start with the OM-1. So it's the OM system. It says Olympus on the nameplate. It's going to be the last camera that has Olympus on the nameplate. I love calling the OM-1 the Olympus OM-1. It just feels right. It was released in March 2022, so now it's been a bit. It has a Micro Four Thirds sensor, and it's currently selling for $1,999. The Nikon ZF started shipping in October 2023, not that long ago employs a full-frame sensor and is currently available for $1,996. So virtually the same price as the OM-1. So this is the first place where people are going, okay, I have $2,000 to spend on a camera. These two cameras cost virtually the same, okay? They're so different though, but it's interesting. 
that price definitely is a factor in all of this. And I think part of it is, you know, they appeal to the same folks, serious enthusiasts who have an appreciation for the history of photography, but yet still love the latest in technology. There is a demographic there that both of these cameras appeal to, but they're also different in many ways. And that's what I'm going to do right now. I'm going to talk about the strengths, in my opinion, of each camera. And then let's see how that all shakes out. Let's start with the OM-1. Let's start with its strength. First of all, if you need a telephoto, <laughs> if you are going to shoot with a telephoto, if you have an assignment that requires a telephoto, then the OM-1 is the way to go, in my opinion. Honestly, telephoto photography with a micro four thirds camera is a match made in heaven. My favorite combination is the 40 to 150 f 2.8 telephoto. And if I need it, I like to have in my pocket the 1.4x converter. Now, 40 to 150, that's an equivalent of 80 to 300. And then you add the 1.4 and you get over 400 with a telephoto that's still relatively fast and that you can carry all day. You can carry this thing all day. And then, of course, that's only one of the many telephotos that you can get for Micro Four Thirds. And they have some boomers now. I mean, they've really been working on this for years. If you're going to do telephoto photography, I mean, Micro Four Thirds definitely the way to go, in my opinion. And I'll talk a little bit more about that uh, here in a few moments. Second, macro photography. Macro photography with a micro four thirds camera is a completely different ball game than with a full frame camera. The full frame camera, honestly, the depth of field falls off too quickly at the higher magnifications. Whereas with the micro four thirds, you have that little bit of extra leeway. Additionally, there are not one, not two, but three really nice macro lenses right now for micro four thirds photography. I have two of them the Olympus 30 millimeter and 60 millimeter. And then there's the brand new, uh, well, just came out last year, 100 millimeter. And these are fantastic optics designed for these cameras. Macro photography with micro four thirds is just so much more feasible, so much more convenient. And in fact, you don't even need, uh, with the technology built into the camera lens combination, you can do it without a tripod for all but the most serious stuff. So again, that's the second strength I see in micro four thirds is macro photography. Third strength, inclement weather. If I am going out into the great outdoors and I know that there's a possibility that I'm going to run into inclement weather, I want the OM-1, which is, I think, the most robust serious camera out there for inclement weather and then i'll take one of the weather sealed lenses and i have many to choose from in the olympus and panasonic system is just so comforting to know that you don't have to worry about rain or you don't have to worry about cold or whatever that you can just go do the shoot the camera will be fine <laughs> just wipe it off every now and then and I have tested this time and time again, and I've never had a problem. Number four, long days. If I'm going to be on my feet with gear for the bulk of the day, 
I definitely want the OM system. <laughs> I'm serious. There's a huge difference in weight and bulk, and I can work all day, no problem at all, in micro four thirds. Whereas if I had to lug around big bulky lenses, especially when you start getting into anything that's beyond medium telephoto in full frame, the dynamic changes quickly. So long days, definitely micro four thirds. Carry on air travel, same thing. When I did the last Sedona workshop, I decided that I was gonna do carry on only, which was really cool. I decided I was going to do carry on only because I just didn't want to screw around with baggage check. My OM system kit fit in a low pro bag that's about the size of a kid's lunchbox and it fit inside my regular suitcase. And I had everything that I needed for the whole week and I didn't want for anything. That is fantastic. I mean, carry on air travel with micro four thirds is again such a doable proposition compared to the alternatives next one clever technology things like live nd live time live composite in camera focus stacking these are all examples of the cool technology that you get inside om system cameras they are the ones that have pioneered so many of the technologies that other camera manufacturers are using and then finally last big strength on my list for the OM system, more lenses. <laughs> and I mean a lot more lenses. Not only does Micro Four Thirds have a lens catalog featuring practically any optic that I could need, it often has multiple versions of that optic. For example, let's take the 45 millimeter mild telephoto, which equals 90 millimeters in full frame terms. So I have an F1.8 version of that lens or I can go to an F 1.2 version of that lens, or I can have it included in a zoom lens that's also super compact. And this happens over and over again, where you have all of these options, these lens options. So you could go really small, you could go with the, the wider aperture and somewhat bigger lenses. You can mix and match, you can do whatever you want. And I'm gonna talk about the lenses I have in my lunchbox kit here in just a few minutes. So those are the strengths that I see for the Micro Four Thirds system. Telephoto, macro, inclement weather, long days, carry-on air travel, clever technology, and more lenses. Okay, let's get to the ZF, the Nikon ZF. It too has its strengths. The first one I would say, and this may surprise many of you, but street photography, this camera for street photography just has a certain something that works. Now, I just published an article uh, about this, and I'll talk about it uh, later on in the show. But I used it all day in San Francisco with the 26mm f2.8 pancake on it, and it was fantastic. And I think the thing about street photography is you just don't know. You could be in real darkness one moment and then really bright contrasty light in another moment, the angles that you have to work at, uh, you can't get things always straight, so you have to crop more often or straighten. There's all sorts of little factors that sort of build in, and I would say that the ZF is just such a joy for street photography, and then having the black and white mode that's right there on the top deck that you can switch to 
with three very viable black and white options to choose from just sort of finishes it off. As much as I like Micro Four Thirds for street photography, there's just something about the ZF for street photography that I like even a bit more. Low light situations, a clear strength of the Nikon. I've never had a camera where I could increase the ISO to 25,600 without a second thought of image quality. This is just sort of incredible when you first run into it. You go, now I'm sure when I look at it on the computer, I'm not gonna be happy with it. And then you look at it on the computer and you go, I'm very happy with this and I can't believe I pulled it off. So low light situations, the Nikon ZF, that full frame sensor, really excels. Third one, vintage lenses. The nice thing about putting vintage lenses on this camera is that their focal length are what this says on the lens. <laughs> so if I put a 50 millimeter Nikon lens on there, that's 30 years old, 40 years old, it's going to be 50 millimeters. If I put a 35 millimeter F2.5 Nikon series E vintage lens on there, it's going to be 35 millimeters on and on and on. There's something just really nice about using vintage lenses at their native focal length. And I just, I, I love, this is something I've been wanting for a long time. I, I have other full frame cameras. I have the Nikon D610, I have the D700, but they're not state-of-the-art cameras. Now having state-of-the-art cameras with built-in image stabilization, so the ZF has sensor-based stabilization the same way that the uh, OM-1 does. And that sensor-based stabilization works with the vintage lenses. This is something I haven't experienced before, just being able to use the lenses the same way that I use them on film cameras, but with stabilization. And the Nikon FTZ-2 adapter is really good. And if you have more of a modern vintage lens, let's say a Series D or a Series G Nikon lens, then you also have you know program mode available to you, uh, XF data, all that stuff. And if it's a G version, you also have autofocus. So you can use those lenses with the FTZ adapter. And depending on how far back you go in your lens catalog, you can basically shoot with whatever you want. Suddenly, those vintage lenses are reborn because they are sending information to a really nice sensor. You have image stabilization built in. You have things like black and white that are really cool. It's, it's a very nice situation. It's the best situation I've ever had for vintage lenses. The fourth strength for the ZF, in my opinion, are portrait assignments. I had been using the D610 for my portrait work. There's something about that sensor and portrait work and being able to go to a lens such as the Nikon 105 f 2.5, the Steve McCurry lens, that suddenly this gives me all these options for portraiture that I really like. I don't have to worry about light, obviously. I don't have to worry about shadows and highlights and all that sort of stuff. I think the combination of being able to use lenses going way back to modern lenses with that full frame sensor, being able to really easily control depth of field and all that, uh, portrait assignments are very fun with the Nikon ZF. And then finally, the fifth uh, point I will say is aesthetics. 
In my opinion, only the Olympus Pen F rivals the handsome look of the Nikon ZF. I mean, this this camera, when I first got it, the, the ZF, when I first got it in my possession, I would just look at it and I would just go, I, I need to go take some pictures right now. <laughs> I need to use this thing. I need to have an excuse for having this thing in my hand. It's, it's that kind of camera. I hadn't experienced that feeling since the Olympus Pen F. I still have the Pen F. In fact, it's right here on my desk right now. I use it all the time and I love that camera and it's been years that I've had it and I anticipate the same scenario with the Nikon ZF. Those are the strengths, in my opinion, of each system. What I want to talk about now is why switching doesn't make sense. It does not make sense. Because if you notice, these strengths are very different, right? They're not the same strengths. I could never imagine a scenario where I would sell all of my Olympus gear to bulk up the Nikon Z system. For me, it would be like saying I'm going to sell my pliers to buy a screwdriver. No, I, I, I need both of them in my toolbox. Depending on what type of photographer you are, you may feel that you need a little bit of both. I realize that this is a total luxury, but as long as I'm traveling for photography workshops, covering events, and working in the unpredictable outdoors, I'm using my OM-1 system. I need it. That is the camera that I want in those situations. At the same time, I love shooting with the Nikon ZF in San Francisco, capturing portraits with it for a recent article I published on medium.com about Phil Flash, and then walking into a darkened haunted house. And when I say darkened, I mean dark haunted house, then emerging with incredible shots for the client that they just absolutely loved. I don't think I could have done that shoot, that haunted house shoot, with any other camera in my possession than the ZF. I was shooting at 25,600 the whole time with a zoom lens, and I needed to be able to work that quickly without any additional light. And I needed a lens where I could you know, change the focal length quickly, which means then I wasn't shooting you know, at a super fast aperture. Everything just worked. I, you know, The gear got totally out of my way and I could just focus on getting the shots. I have done haunted house shoots before. They're dreadful <laughs> if you don't have the right gear. It's like working on a car without having the right tools. This is the first time that I got to do the shoot with what I consider the right gear and it made a big difference. It made a big difference. That is a compliment to what I have with the OM system. Now, for those of you already in the Z system or tempted by it, I'm gonna tell you that for me personally, I am not investing in telephotos for this system or all that big lens stuff that happens with full frame cameras where, you know, before you know it, you're carrying extra, extra pounds and you've got these big bulky lenses. You know, one of the articles that talked about leaving the Olympus system and going to the Nikon Z system, he's a bird photographer. And I'm sure many of you know who I'm talking about. He's a bird photographer. And he said in the article, you know, I'm not worried about the extra bulk with the Nikon system. I'm going to be getting these big lenses because I need that for my bird photography. But I have an assistant who carries all my gear and sets it up for me. 
that's not the rest of us. The, I don't have an assistant that carries my gear for me, and I'm guessing that most of you don't. I have to carry my stuff in, and I have to carry my stuff out, and I don't want to be carrying gigantic Nikon zoom lenses when I'm going, for example, to Safari West or when I'm going to do any sort of wildlife photography. So the lenses that I'm going to be using on the full frame are the smaller, compact, wide-angle or short-zoom lenses. Now, I think OM system could quiet a lot of this chatter by releasing a great camera or two in 2024. We didn't get hardly anything from them in 2023. We've got one very nice macro lens, and that was it. So I think a lot of existing Micro Four Thirds shooters would be very happy if they saw a new camera or two from OM system in 2024, and if it was really nice, like the OM-1. In the meantime, if you own an OM-1 and you're happy with it, I would just ignore the switchers. Just don't even listen to them. And if your budget allows for another camera, and you do some of the shooting that I outlined with the full-frame camera, then I think the ZF would be a lovely complement to your existing system. All right, just before we change subjects here, I want to just tell you what's in both of my kits. So I have two kits. I have the OM-1 kit, and this is the super compact kit. Now I could change it. I've got a million lenses for the OM-1, right? But this is the kit that I travel with currently that goes in my suitcase and all that kind of stuff. So this is the super compact lunchbox kit. So I have the OM-1. I have the 14 to 42 easy compact zoom, and I just leave that on the camera. It's almost like a lens cap. I'm carrying right now the Panasonic Lumix G Vario 12 to 35 millimeter f2.8 zoom. I have the Olympus also, the 12 to 40 f2.8, but the Lumix is just a little bit more compact and that little bit more compact fits it in a spot that really works nicely in my camera bag. So it's the one I have in there right now, but I love both zooms. Currently I have the 45 millimeter f1.8 prime in there, the Olympus, and then the 35 to 100 millimeter Panasonic zoom, which is a gem of a little lens. I just can't believe how well it performs and how small it is. All of that goes in the lunchbox kit that fits inside my carry-on suitcase along with my clothes and everything else. Now for the Nikon ZF, here's what I'm working with. I'm packing the 26 millimeter f2.8 pancake. And that's the lens that I use for the street photography in San Francisco. And then I have the 40 millimeter F 2.0 special edition. I have the 24 to 50 millimeter compact zoom. And this little compact zoom, it doesn't get much discussion, but it is a beautiful lens, very sharp, very fast and great color, great color. And then finally, I have the Nikon G, so that's the old F-mount, 24 to 85 millimeter zoom. It's a, it's a lens I've loved forever, and I have it just mounted on the FTZ2 adapter. So those are the four lenses I have, the 26 millimeter Pancake, 40 millimeter F2, 24 to 50 millimeter Z compact zoom, and the 24 to 85 Nikon F with the FTZ2 adapter. And then other than occasionally pulling out the 105 F2.5, the older Nikon lens, the Stephen Curry lens, for a portrait shoot or something, I'm rarely going 
over 105 for that kit because then the lenses start getting too big. So I hope you found all this information useful. I'm telling you, uh, I like both cameras a lot. I would not give up one for the other and I'm very lucky that I get to shoot with them both. How to turn your Apple Watch into a camera remote and timer. And you can read this entire article on slashgear.com. I have a link in the show notes. This is just a fun little tidbit for iPhone photographers who also have an Apple Watch. How many times do you use your iPhone camera in a day? If you're a photography enthusiast, content creator, or just someone who loves collecting snapshots of their favorite memories, you've probably answered a lot. It's no surprise though, considering the quality of the output and the many nifty photo editing features built into the iPhone. However, if you're using your iPhone camera a lot, then you're probably also familiar with the all too frustrating problem of wanting to pose a few meters away, but being unable to run back and forth to set up your iPhone camera and timer over and over. It can be quite a chore, no doubt, especially when you're out and about and you don't have the luxury of bringing a tripod with a remote. Fortunately, Apple Watch has your back. This versatile device on your wrist can actually double as a camera remote and timer for your iPhone, so you won't have to waste a good photo or video opportunity ever again. And then they walk you through the steps on how to set it up. So I have not the latest Apple Watch, but I think one back, I don't know, Series 7, I wanna say, Series 8, ah, I don't know, I can't remember. But it's fairly new. And then I have the iPhone 15 Pro Max. And so I tested this out because I had forgotten about this neat little trick. And boy, things work so much better than they did way, way, way back when, when I first tested this with the Apple Watch. The camera remote app on the Apple Watch works great. And you have some options. You even get a little uh, picture on there after it takes the picture. Uh, you can So you can check it without having to you know, go back, let's say you're doing a group shot or whatever. And then I just have the, like the small little stand that fits in my pocket, any pocket uh, for the iPhone. So with the remote timer and the watch and this little stand, I can do all sorts of cool stuff with it and not have to carry any sort of a bag or anything at all. If you have both of these devices, the Apple Watch and the iPhone, Check this out. It is a really cool feature. And like I said, you can read the entire article on slashgear.com. I have a link in the show notes. Spring in Sedona Photography Workshop. And this is coming up on April 16 through 19, 2024, right around the corner. We had a very successful workshop in October of 2023. And I wanted to come back for spring weather. I wanted to come back to see things blooming, to see things after the rains and snow, to see that magnificent landscape freshened up and blooming. And that's what we're gonna do. That's what we're gonna do. I have some beautiful new spots that we're going to. I'm gonna revisit my favorite spots that we went to in October. This is a wonderful trip. And if you want to get out, if you wanna start out your workshop season on the right foot with a lot of pictures, a great time, good food, all that good stuff, and it's affordable, this workshop is for you, honestly. We've got a couple seats open. We already have 
quite a few bookings, but all you have to do is go to our workshops page and you can get to that through the digital story of the nimble photographer or have the link directly to this workshop in the show notes nose around a bit take a look at the pictures and you can reserve your spot right now and to reserve it it's only 200 dollars to reserve the spot and then you're locked in i think this is going to be a fantastic workshop i think that if you join us for the sedona workshop the sedona area workshop that you will start out 2024 workshop season uh, your shooting season with a whole library of images and a lot of good times to go with them as well hope you can join us in sedona i want to give a follow-up to my escape to san francisco during last week's podcast i discussed how i'd come down with a serious case of cabin fever <laughs> and my plan to overcome it so i detailed what i was going to do so I did it. <laughs> I did it. I'm happy to report that the therapy treatment in San Francisco solved the problem. Oh my gosh. You know, I was very lucky. I had great weather. Uh, I was shooting with the Nikon that we've talked about in this uh, podcast with the 26 millimeter pancake lens, the wide angle lens. So what I did was I put this all together in an article and it's called 26 millimeters and be there. Now I have a link to it in the show notes. It's on medium.com. But the link that I have in the show notes is the free link. It's the friend link. All of you are my friends. You get the free link to the article. So you don't have to be a member of Medium or anything like that. You just click on the link that's in the show notes. It'll take you right to the article. And I have a bunch of pictures. <laughs> and I really, you know, do this little travel log of my day to save my sanity. I mean, I started out at an ice rink in Union Square. Oh, just the adorable kids and, you know, just such a feel-good vibe. Worked my way all the way down to Mission Bay. Met my boys in Mission Bay. We had a beer. We went to the Warriors game. I'm shooting all the way. I'm, I'm taking the train, you know, from downtown down to uh, Mission Bay, brand new T-Line in San Francisco, clean, beautiful, efficient. I mean, the whole thing was just a blast. So uh, I hope you go over to the article, take a look at all the pictures. I've published a ton of pictures uh, from that day. And I will just say that that self-assignment to get me out of the studio and back out on the streets taking pictures. Oh, it really lifted my spirits, I'll tell you. It really did. Okay, let's take care of a little virtual camera club news. I want to thank our Inner Circle members, the folks that support this podcast month in and month out. They have their own area, they have their own space, the Inner Circle space on Derek Story Online and they have discounts available to them for everything that's coming up in 2024. If you want to see what's going on with the Inner Circle, if you want to read a little bit about it, and more importantly, if you want to sign up, just click on the Patreon tile that's on all the pages of the digital story, and a huge thanks to our Inner Circle members for supporting this community. And finally, I want to give a shout out to our friends at Red River Paper, longest running sponsor of the digital story. These are the folks that enable us to be inkjet printing photographers, right? Because a lot of times you look at that printer and you just go, 
I don't know what paper to put in it. I don't know how I should set things up. I, I just don't know anything. And so therefore I'm not going to do it. However, if you click on the Red River paper tile that's on all the pages of the digital story, you will learn what kind of paper to put in it. You will learn what kind of paper works with the kind of photography that you like. You'll see templates, you'll find templates for, you know, doing special projects like greeting cards and things like that. You'll find information that help you understand inkjet printing. And then suddenly you're going, you know what, this is kind of fun and I love the output. And that's thanks to our partners at Red River Paper, longest running sponsor of Digital Story. And they also have a terrific Facebook page at facebook.com slash Red River Paper. All right, it's going to do it for me this week. I hope you enjoyed the comparison, working on more great stuff for next week. Make sure you come back and join me. Until then, have a fantastic week. Take lots of pictures. See you next Tuesday. Bye-bye now.